Well, greetings, brethren. We're just about to start. Uh, this evening we'll be covering Judges 9 and 10. Just doing a sound check before we get started. I'll just check on uh, cgi.churchonline.org. And I see Ray, Chris, Christine, Donna, Murray, RJ, Rick Forrest, CW, and Seaweed. Welcome, welcome. Just uh, looking for confirmation that you can hear my voice, and we'll get started once we get through the sound check. See Pastor Murray talking with Ray about the border. And I see Murray just informing us about surgery for our brother Ray. So we'll need to be praying for him. Greetings, brethren. We're just about to get started. Just waiting for confirmation that you can hear my voice, and we'll get started. Okay, just getting confirmation from Rick for that you have audio. Very good. Sound is good. All right, great. We'll get started. I'm not seeing the uh, the visual, but uh, let's get started, and hopefully the visual will come through as well. Good evening, brethren. We're just about to get started with uh, Judges 9 and 10. Thanks, uh, Willie and uh, Ray again. Yeah, same here. I'm not seeing the picture, but hopefully we'll sort that out. Brethren, we are up to uh, Judges 9 and 10. Let's uh, open with a word of prayer, and then we can get straight into uh, tonight's study. Our Heavenly Father, we pause before you and just give you so much thanks, Father, that you've given us your word, that we're not without uh, guidance, uh, we're not without light in this world of darkness. And thank you, Father, that we can go into the scriptures and go back thousands of years to get an understanding of what is yet to come in the future. We praise you, Father. We thank you. We ask your blessing on our study now in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Okay, very, very good. So let's uh, let's begin. Um, we didn't quite get through all of uh, Judges 9 uh, last week. We got about halfway through. So we'll just continue with uh, Judges 9 and then finish uh, Judges chapter 10. So remember um, last week when we were going through Judges 9, we, um, thanks, Pastor Murray. We were going through Judges 9, 
And uh, we got to this point, which was quite fascinating. Uh, and let's just read it again together. That um, God, Jehovah, sent an evil spirit between Abimelech and the men of Shechem. Remember, these are Israelites. And God is the one that sent an evil spirit between them. And the men of Shechem dealt treacherously with Abimelech. So all of this is going to bring to pass uh, the prophecy that we read earlier in, in uh, Judges 9. But I just wanted to highlight that, that, that God can do this and, and create this, this civil war among, among Israelites. And, and so we're looking back thousands of years what happened, and we're seeing today the Western nations being stirred up Certainly, I would say we're already in civil war, but we're heading sort of like a cold civil war, and we're heading to hot civil war, where blood is going to be shed, and it's going to be ugly, and we're going to destroy ourselves. We have people who hate us. There are nations who hate us, waiting, dying to bring us down. But, but why go through the effort if we'll do it to ourselves? And so here, these Israelites are doing it to themselves. But God is the one that sent the evil spirit, and he sent the evil spirit for a specific purpose. Why did he do that? He says here that the cruelty done to the 70 sons of Yerubbaal might come, and their blood be laid upon Abimelech, their brother. <laughs> I just want to just highlight this. This is, this is so important to us. Uh, Abimelech was their brother, and he betrayed them that there was something that was more important to him than the covenant, than the, the, the family ties. And so he broke the covenant, he broke the family ties in pursuit of this thing. And so he betrayed his brothers. God did not take that lightly. So God orchestrated things so that their blood was laid upon Abimelech, their brother. And again, I'm, I'm raising this because we are warned that in the not-too-distant future, just around the corner, we're almost there, that brother will betray brother. And we can see how God looks at this when brother betrays brother. So we need to ask ourselves, what are we involved in? And do we have loyalties that go beyond the covenant? Do we have loyalties that go beyond the spiritual ties that we have with one another? Are we, are we modern-day Abimelechs? But God doesn't take it lightly. So, so their blood, he, he orchestrated this so that the blood of these 70 brothers would be laid upon Abimelech, which slew them, and upon the men of Shechem, which aided him in the killing of his brothers. So, so Shechem and, and, and uh, Abimelech were together in this thing. And now God is going to put this evil spirit between them and cause them to destroy each other because of this evil thing that they did to the 70 sons of Yerbaal. And the men of Shechem sent liars in wait for him in the top of the mountains. And that's why these, uh, these um, bonds, these, these carnal connections are very weak. And so if the people of God are forming carnal connections with people who don't know God, don't be surprised if the people who don't know God turn on you. And the people who know God, who would give you the shirt off their back, you turn against them and you betray them when they would give you the shirt off their back. And you align yourself with people who don't know God. 
they're going to betray you. And the men of Shechem sent liars in wait for him in the top of the mountains, and they robbed all that came along that way by them. And it was told Abimelech. So they are um, waiting, and, and Abimelech gets intelligence of what's going on. And Gaal, the son of Ebed, came with his brothers and went over to Shechem. And the men of Shechem put their confidence in him. So a very charismatic man, and they're looking, okay, this is the guy that's going to help us. So they put their confidence in him. And they went out into the fields and gathered their vineyards and trod upon the grapes, or tread upon the grapes, and made merry and went to, into the house. These are, these are Israelites. They, so they're having this celebration. They feel very confident. They made merry and they went into the house of their God and did eat and drink and cursed Abimelech. So they've drifted. When it says their God, this is not Jehovah. They've drifted. They're worshiping Baal. And they're, they're cursing Abimelech. And Gaal, the son of Ebed, and I shouldn't really say that, so it's, uh, sorry, um, I should back up. Shechem, these are, these are mixed. These are not necessarily all Israelites. Um, so these could be uh, Canaanites, in fact. And that's maybe why uh, Abimelech was not, uh, was worried about his position, because he was half, half caste or half, half breed or whatever you want to call it. Uh, so I should, have, should correct that. So they're worshiping their God. And did eat and drink and cursed Abimelech. And where were we? So, and Gaal, the son of Ebed, who is Abimelech, said, said, who is Abimelech? And who is Shechem? That we should serve him. Is not he the son of Yerubbaal and Zebul his officer? Serve the men of Hamor, the father of Shechem. For why should we serve him? So now he's going back and saying, look, we are of Shechem, we are of Hamor. Don't, don't go with uh, uh, Abimelech. Why are we going with Abimelech? Let's go back to our roots. And again, these people are going to be somewhat mixed, but let's go back to our roots. So the roots of, of uh, Shechem, let's go back to that. Gen- Genesis 33, verse 17. Uh, this is when Esau was in pursuit of Jacob, and then they finally he caught up to Jacob, and Jacob thought he was going to kill him, and they reconciled. And then here in verse, picking up the story in verse 17, and Jacob journeyed to Succoth, meaning booths, and built him a house and made booths for his cattle. And therefore the name of the place is called Succoth. And Jacob came to Shalem, a city of Shechem, which is in the land of Canaan. When he came from Padan Aram and pitched his tent before the city. So here you see, in fact, these, the Shechems are native Canaanites. Although, of course, Israel was getting mixed up with them. And he bought a parcel of a field where he had spread his tent. And the hand of the children of Hamor, Shechem's father, for a hundred pieces of money. And he erected, erected there an altar and called it Elohe Israel. So this is where the origin of Shechem, that he is the son of Hamor. And Jacob actually interacted with Shechem and bought land from, uh, from, the, from Shechem. Now, continue to the next chapter of Genesis, and Shechem is famous now. We know the incident with Dinah, uh, Jacob's daughter. And then verse 4 of 34, And Shechem spoke unto his father Hamor, saying, Get me this damsel to wife. So he really fell in love with uh, Dinah. And then that, of course, led to uh, Dinah's brothers uh, slaughtering these uh, men of Shechem. And so this is the, the history Israel has with Shechem. Back to Judges 9, verse 29. And would to God this people were under my hand, 
Then would I remove Abimelech. And he said to Abimelech, so now he's taunting, increase your army and come out. So this is a very charismatic leader. The people of Shechem are now putting their confidence in him. He's now taunting Abimelech. And when Zebul, the ruler of the city, heard the words of Gaal, the son of Ebed, his anger was kindled. Remember, God is the one orchestrating all of this for a purpose. And, and he sent messengers unto Abimelech privately, saying, Behold, Gaal, the son of Ebed, and his brethren have come to Shechem, and behold, they fortify the city against you. So this relationship has broken down between Abimelech and the, the men of Shechem. Now therefore, so Zebul is advising Abimelech, now therefore up by night you and the people that are with you and lie in wait in the field. And it shall be that in the morning, as soon as the sun is up, you shall rise early and set upon the city. And behold, when he and the people that is with him come out against you, then you may do to them as you shall find occasion. So, so they are looking and uh, today, you know, here we are in uh, 2020, and we see the same thing happening today where our cities are being taken over. And so, uh, you know, we, we see this new, uh, what's the city called now, Chad, the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone. So welcome to the Capitol Hill uh, autonomous, autonomous Zone, the city of Chaz. And uh, they're erecting their borders. Uh, they now have a, a, a nation within America in the city of Seattle. And uh, it's wild. They've taken over the police station there. And uh, so, so this is very similar to what we see here thousands of years ago. Uh, where they can set upon a city and take it over. So this is what we're, we are now seeing. And who knows where this is going to end up or how this is going to end. But it didn't end well for ancient Israel. And uh, there's, no, there's no saying that it's going to end well for modern day, the modern day Israel nations, Israelite nations. So, so there we are. He says to, to, to set upon the city. And behold, when the people that are with him come out against you, then you can do to them as you find occasion. So this is going to be very, very ugly. And Abimelech rose up and all the people that were with him by night. And they laid waste, they laid wait against Shechem in four companies. And Gaal, the son of Ebed, went out and stood in the entering of the gate of the city. So this is now getting into this conflict now. And Abimelech rose up and the people that were with him from lying in wait. And when Gaal saw the people, he said to Zebul, Behold, there come people down from the top of the mountains. And Zebul said unto him, You see the shadow of the mountains as if they were men. So you're, you're imagining things. There's, there's nothing, nothing to worry about. And Gaal spoke again and said, See, there come people down by the middle of the land, and another company come along by the plain of Meonaim. And this is a, a place of divination where they practice witchcraft. Then said Zebul unto him, Where is now your mouth? <laughs> so he's been betrayed. Where in now is your mouth where you said, Who is Abimelech, that we should serve him? Is not this people that you have, dis is, is not this the people that you have despised? 
Go out, I pray now, and fight with them. So now Gaal is in a situation. And Gaal went out before the men of Shechem and fought with Abimelech. But of course, Abimelech has the upper hand now and the element of surprise. And Abimelech chased him, and he fled before him. And many were overthrown and wounded. This is ugly. Even unto the entering of the gate. So there's wholesale slaughter here. And Abimelech dwelt at Aruma, and Zebul thrust out Gaal and his brethren, that they should not dwell in Shechem. So he was loyal to Abimelech. And it came to pass on the morrow that the people went out into the field, and they told Abimelech. And he took the people and divided them into three companies and laid wait in the field and looked, and behold, the people were come forth out of the city, and he rose up against them and smote them. And Abimelech and the company that was with him rushed forward and stood in the entering of the gate of the city. And the two other companies ran upon all the people that were in the fields and slew them. So this is, this is uh, the slaughter that we're seeing. And, and God is the one who has orchestrated this and allowed this. And Abimelech fought against the city all that day. And he took the city and slew the people that were therein and beat down the city. So when people want power, they will stop at nothing. And, and no lives matter. These people can pretend lives matter. They don't care about life. And so they'll go in and they'll slaughter anybody in their way. And Abimelech made an appeal to these people of Shechem that he was with them. And uh, you know the, he comes from them and let's all be together. Now he's turned on them and he's slaying them. And he sowed it with salt. And when all the people of the tower of Shechem heard that, they entered into a hold of the house of the god Bereth. They are worshippers of this god, Baal. And it was told Abimelech that all the men of the tower of Shechem were gathered together. And Abimelech got him up to Mount Zalmon, he and all the people that were with him. And Abimelech took an axe in his hand. Listen to this, it's very interesting now. Abimelech took an axe in his hand and cut down a bow from the trees and took it and laid it on his shoulder and said unto the people that were with him, What you have seen me do, make haste, hurry up, and do as I have done. So they're to uh, take an axe, cut down a bow from the tree, put it on their shoulder. They're all to do this. Why, why are they doing this? Well, remember the prophecy of his brother that Abimelech was the lowest. He was mere bramble. And the bramble said unto the trees, If in truth you anoint me king over you, then come and put your trust in my shadow. And if not, that is, if it's not in truth, let fire come out of the bramble and devour the cedars of Lebanon. And so this is now the prophecy coming to pass, that he's the bramble, and fire is going to come out of the bramble and devour the best of them. And same thing that we have to, you know, this, this prophecy is very important, that if we're going to make a, an alliance with, with people against our brethren, then we better do it in truth and in integrity because the prophecy tells us that the time is coming when many, not a few, many are going to betray one another. Many are going to hate one another. So what, what's our emotional state? How do we feel? Are, are, we, are we full of hostility? Are we making alliances against our brothers in the faith? 
Judges 9.49 And all the people likewise cut down every man his bow and followed Abimelech and put them to the hold and set the hold on fire upon them so that all the men of the tower of Shechem died also. About a thousand men and women. They just burned the hold. They burned the place down. And that's what people who want power will do. Nothing will stop them. They can, they can pretend life matters to them. It doesn't matter. And woe unto us if we follow them. Woe unto us if we're, if we're seduced by them. Life does not matter to them. <clears throat> then went to Bimelech and encamped against Thebes and took it. But there was a strong tower within the city. So now so Abimelech has, has brought the, the men of Shechem to an end. That was only half of the job of the evil spirit. The other half was to make an end of Abimelech and to bring all the blood of his brothers upon him. So we're going to see that now. But there was a strong tower within the city, and there fled all the men and women, and all they of the city, and shut it to them. This is this is survival. This is you know, civilization has gone out the window. Uh, you know, we mustn't think that these cities were not somewhat sophisticated. They, they had a sense of civilization, and they had sophistication, and they had culture, and they had intellects, and they had entertainment, and all of that goes out of the window when it comes down to civil war. And that's what we're seeing again today. We're we're, we're just devolving, and we're losing any sense of sophisticated culture. And so they got them up to the top of the tower. And Abimelech came unto the tower and fought against it. He'll stop at nothing to secure his power. And he fought against it and went hard. On, and remember, this is the offspring of, of uh, Gideon. My, my father is king. This is where it all leads now. And fought against it and went hard unto the door of the tower to burn it with fire. This guy is ruthless. And the, the, the human beings change. But the script doesn't change. You know, it, it unfolds exactly the same way. Satan has his puppets, and they love power, and he can seduce them because of their love of power, and they'll stop at nothing, and they'll destroy everybody that's in their way. And went hard unto the door of the tower to burn it with fire. And a certain woman cast a piece of a millstone upon Abimelech's head, and all to break his skull. So she must have thrown it down with as much force as she could to kill him. Then he called hastily unto the young man, his armor-bearer, and said unto him, Draw your sword and kill me, that men say not of me, a woman slew him. So, so back in the day, there was something called masculinity and, and masculine pride. Of course, that's gone today. Uh, men push women out and women do all the heavy lifting. Any movie you see today, women are drop kicking men in the head and punching them in the head. And women are just so powerful that, you know, men today, they're not the least bit embarrassed that, that a woman humiliates them. But back then there was this, uh, I guess, warrior culture. And then it was just like, there's no way he wants to die and have his reputation ruined upon his death. So he asked this young man to kill him. And his young man thrust him through, and he died. So the young man saw the urgency of the matter and killed him right away. And when the, men of, when the men of Israel saw that Abimelech was dead, they departed every man unto his place. So Abimelech was just this storm and just this, this turmoil. Uh, and finally, he has been put to rest. So Israel can now go back every man to his place. And notice verse 56. Thus, this is how, 
God rendered the wickedness of Abimelech, which he did unto his father, in slaying his seventy brethren. And again, I just want to highlight this, that God did not take this lightly. These were his brothers. And the wickedness he did, he did it to his father. So it begs the question, or raises the question, what if the father is our holy father in heaven? And what if the brethren are the Lord's body? And what if people in the Lord's body turn their back on God's children, the father's children, to align themselves with pagans, to align themselves with hateful people? And those hateful people grow in power and they cause harm, even death, to one of God's children. How will God treat that brother or sister who align themselves with a hateful cause that caused harm or death to one of God's children? Look at what he did to Abimelech. And here we're just dealing with people who don't have the Holy Spirit. What will the Father do? to someone who hurts one of his, or causes to be hurt, or to be killed, one of his little ones. This this thing is getting out of control. It's getting very violent. There's a spirit to it that is just gaining in momentum and strength. And people are being harmed. And it's, it's getting out of control. And God's people will be harmed if it does not get contained. And if we lend our voices to this, if we lend our support to this, we have become the modern-day Abimelechs. Thus God rendered the wickedness of Abimelech, which he did unto his father. So it's the wickedness that he did to his father in slaying his brothers. So you slay the people of God, that's wickedness that you're doing, or you cause to be slain or harmed the people of God, that's wickedness you're doing to their father. And all the evil of the men of Shechem did God render upon their heads, and upon them came the curse of Jotham, the son of Yerubbaal. So that that um, proverb or analogy that that uh, Jotham pronounced, and that culminated in verse 15. Uh, God God brought it to pass. He spoke under inspiration, and so today, you know, we have this Black Lives Matter movement and the Antifa movement, which are combined. This globalist Marxism, uh, which is expressing itself right now very powerfully, through BLM and through Antifa. This is wickedness. It is just obvious evil. But you know what? Our society is evil as well. We are corrupt. We're full of debauchery. And so God can cause this evil spirit to come into the land, and both sides get destroyed. And that's what we're seeing. If, if, God, I mean, if, God, does, if God allows it, we're going to see the free world collapse because we've taken our freedom to engage in debauchery, to become slaves. We've taken our freedom that, that men fought for and gave everything for. We've taken that freedom to make ourselves slaves of debauchery. Even the children among us are full of debauchery. And we allow it. It's right under our noses. We can say nothing. And so, yeah, these people, BLM, uh, Antifa, and others, they're powerful and they're wicked. But so are we. And so God will allow both sides to destroy each other according to his, his will. And that's what happened here. Chapter 10. And after Abimelech 
that's the end of Abimelech, which is, you know, kind of a judge, uh, not really, um, but the son of a judge, uh, Gideon. And so that was the legacy of Gideon and Gideon's folly, really. So now, after Abimelech, there arose to defend Israel, Tola, the son of Pua. And notice that these judges, their purpose is always to defend Israel. Now, so what we should gather from this, from the book of Judges, as much as it's full of debauchery, it's full of evil, what we should gather from Judges is how deep God's love, God's covenant love, how fixed God's covenant love for Israel is. Because as wicked as Israel is, God's love doesn't change. It is just steady. This cassette, this covenant love is just in place. So, so we know God will never abandon Israel. Never. Because he's made promises to Israel that he will never go back on. And as much as we see all of this wickedness over and over and over again, God keeps sending judges. He keeps delivering. Because ultimately, Israel will finally get it and finally fully repent. And he will finally marry Israel and restore Israel, according to the prophecy uh, by Moses. Deuteronomy 30. But boy, oh boy, it's, it's hard to fathom. And this is how you know Islam is completely false. Because Islam claims that God has thrown away Israel, that they broke the Sabbath, and therefore he turned them into apes and pigs. If breaking the Sabbath was all Israel did, boy, that would be something. When we read Judges, we have, we, you know, they're, they're in the promised land. So this is all about, they've come into the promised land and look at their behavior. And despite all of this, if, if it was just breaking the Sabbath, that would break the covenant. They go way beyond breaking the Sabbath. And they go way beyond breaking the covenant. But God is a God of covenant. And he has made this agreement. He has, he has bound himself by this covenant. And despite their evil, despite their treachery, despite their unfaithfulness, God is faithful. God is righteous. God is bound by his word to Israel. So he raises now another judge, uh, Pua, uh, Tola, the son of Pua, the son of Dodo, a man of Issachar. And he dwelt in Shemer in Mount Ephraim. So he's up in the north, a part of the Israel Israelite tribes there. And so he is now defending Israel. So in the promised land, they should, have, they should have rid themselves of these Canaanites, uh, but they did not. The Perizzites and all these different uh, peoples, they left them. They, they tried to coexist with them and you know, marry them and get along with them. But that's not what God said. God said, in fact, the opposite. Don't do that. But now that came upon them, and God raises this judge. And he judged Israel 23 years and died and was buried in Shemar. So... There's detail here, of course. 23 years is, is a bit of time. And there's a lot that was happening, and he defended Israel, but we don't get the details. And after him arose Jer, or Yer, a Gileadite. And he judged Israel 22 years. So we've got 23 years, 22 years, so 45 years. These two judges uh, defended Israel. But again, we don't get any detail. Just the fact that they were there for 45 years. Uh, defending Israel. So this year, a Gileadite, he had 30 sons that rode upon 30 donkeys. 
and they had 30 cities. So this, again, is similar to uh, Gideon and his 70 sons, where these are people of privilege and of royalty. So it's like another king. So they're, they're people of high privilege, and they're riding upon these donkeys, which is a very symbolic act. And they also had 30 cities, which are called Havot Dir unto this day. So this is, uh, again, tied to the judge. So you can see, again, this uh, notion of um, looking up to men uh, and looking up to men for leadership, which are called, which are in the land of Gilead. Gilead. And then Yer died and was buried in Camon. And here we go again. Here we go again. The children of Israel did evil again. Where did they do evil? How did they do evil? In the sight of the Lord. They did evil in the sight of the Lord. Uh, this week, we've got to get this pattern that it just keeps happening over and over again, but every time it happens, it's evil according to the Lord. So if you, again, if you were to interview these Israelites and ask you, like, what are you doing? They would have rhetoric. They would have explanations. And in all their rhetoric and all their explanations, they would be justified. Because every man is doing what is right in his own eyes. So everything they're doing and, and their collaboration and getting mixed up with the Canaanites and the Canaanite religion, to them, it's justified. There's a reason for it. There's a reason why. But God is looking from heaven, and he's saying, this is wickedness. So again, it raises the question for us today. Are we involved in things for which we can find justification, for which we can find great rhetoric? But when God looks down from heaven, it is evil in his sight. So we've got to somehow, how, how do we get from looking at ourselves and being proud of ourselves and how righteous we are, how do we get from that to the truth? It's to compare ourselves to the word of God. Because God is going to evaluate us based on what is in his word. And if the Israelites here just picked up the Torah and looked at what they were doing compared to what, what Moses wrote, they would realize they're doing wickedness. But if they just sort of look at themselves compared to what everybody else around them is doing, they can feel pretty good about themselves. So they did evil again. God delivers them and delivers them, and they just keep—they just have this heart that inclines to evil. They just keep going back. Then God delivers them. Then they go back to evil. So it's this A, B, C, D pattern, where there's apostasy, there's a, a beating or a battering down because of that apostasy. There's a crying out because of the beating. God then has mercy on them. He raises up a judge to deliver them. And once they're delivered, what do they do? They go back to apostasy. A, B, C, D, A, B, C, D, A, B, C, D. And that's the pattern of the book of Judges because that's the pattern of God's people. And, and, and here we are. We've got to be honest with ourselves and ask ourselves, are we committing apostasy? Are we, are we turning away from God? And the children, and so don't, don't be mistaken here. These people are keeping the feasts. They're keeping the Sabbath. They're, you know, the feast day is coming up and they're going through the ritual. But they're also serving and worshiping Baal. They're mixing Baal into their worship. We've got to keep ourselves clean and unspotted from the world. And the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord. Here it is. And served Baalim. You know, uh, BLM 
the Hebrew. So it would be Bet, Lamed, Mem. Just the, just the vowels. Just the, the consonants. We have to provide the, the, the vowels. BLM. So we, we, instead of saying BLM, let's call the movement Balim. We'll provide the vowels. Balim. So the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served Balaam. We served, last week we talked about the founder of BLM and how she was into voodoo, uh, the, the Yoruba voodoo religion, and how she deliberately incorporates the rituals of the voodoo and serving Baal. She incorporates that into the BLM movement, into the protest. So the same way if we were organizing something, we wouldn't organize it on the Sabbath. Or if we were organizing a celebration, we might organize that on Pentecost weekend. Because we have, a, we have feast days that we're celebrating. And so everybody come together, it's going to be Pentecost. Um, maybe family might come with us to celebrate the feast. or to, They don't really understand God's holy days. But because they're family, they might come with us and travel to the feast to do that. In the same way, we get caught up in this Balim movement. And there's certain days, so we're coming up to the summer solstice. And maybe there's certain things that they have to do now because they worship the sun god. Ultimately, they're worshiping Nimrod. And people are going out, hopefully not Christians, but I suspect Christians are getting caught up in this. And they don't understand they're worshiping Baalim. So the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord. Not in their own sight. Oh, they're, oh I'm so righteous. This is a just cause. Social justice. We need social justice. And they did evil in the sight of the Lord and served Baalim, BLM, and Ashtaroth, ISIS. It's funny, you know, these uh, organizations, they take these names, Baalim and ISIS. And it's so obvious, they're, they're involved in human sacrifice. They're involved in sun worship and moon worship. And these names just cascade down through thousands of years. And the gods of Syria and the gods of Zidon and the gods of Moab, and the gods of the children of Ammon. It's like these people have no discernment. They just get caught up with their neighbors. And the gods of the Philistines. And they forsook the Lord and served not him. So whatever they were doing, as much as they're keeping the feast days and putting on the religious rituals, they were, not, they were doing what's right in their own eyes, but they were not serving God. As far as God was concerned, they forsook him. What a terrible description we don't want that in our biography, that we forsook the Lord. And the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel, and he sold them into the hands of the Philistines and into the hands of the children of Ammon. And that year they vexed and oppressed the children of Israel. Eighteen years, all the children of Israel that were on the other side of Jordan in the land of the Amorites, which is in Gilead. 18 years is a long time. And so, you know, this BLM, Balim movement, we started, I started, the first time I heard about it was 2016. And I started to look into it. I thought, this is evil. This is Marxist. People don't understand what it means when we say Marxism. They think it's a, oh, um, uh, one party, two party, oh, a third party Marxism. They, they don't understand this is, Marxism is demonic. Marxism slaughters human beings made in God's image to the tunes of tens of millions at a time. It, it is just ruthless and completely satanic. And so we say Marxism, but because people don't know history, it, that doesn't send a shiver down their spine. 
there was a time when there was no way any Marxist could speak publicly in the West. Now they've taken over. And so 2016, I started to hear about this black, well, what is this? And I look into it and I say, this thing is shockingly evil. And so I raised the flag. And then they went away. I thought, okay, that's, that, 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 they're gone, I guess. That's it. Suddenly, 2020, they're back. Silly me. I should, I should have seen it coming. Of course, there's an election coming up. 2016, there was an election coming up. We have to agitate. Agitate the masses. And get them in a state where they can't think straight. And they're so full of fear that they don't think straight and they put back in power the very people who've been oppressing them for decades because they're not thinking straight. I should, I should have seen it coming. So here we are in an election cycle and Baalim is back in, in, a, in a very powerful way because they're desperate now. They can't afford to lose. So here comes Baalim worship. And, and so this went on for 18 years. And it says, you know, the children were oppressed. The children of Israel were oppressed and, and vexed. And so that's what's going to be happening to us. We, we forsook God. And so God raises up these enemies. We've got Marxists coming up in the form of Antifa, coming up in the form of uh, uh, Balin. We had a Marxist president, an openly Marxist president, who supported ISIS. And, and they, every week ISIS was growing in strength and slaughtering Christians in the Middle East, the Iraq uh, population that had 2 million uh, Chaldean Christians, original, going all the way back thousands of years. Uh, they were 2 million of them in Iraq. By the time the end of uh, the previous presidency, less than 200,000. They were just being slaughtered wholesale while he turned a blind eye. And he brought over Muslims to America and left the Christians there to be tortured, raped, and slaughtered. Marxist. So, you know, our society, our the Western world, freedom is slipping out of our hands, and we don't care. We've been demoralized. We don't care anymore. But it's going to be ugly. It's going to be ugly. That year they vexed and oppressed the children of Israel, 18 years. All the children of Israel that were on the other side, Jordan, in the land of the Amorites, which is in Gilead. Moreover, the children of Ammon passed over Jordan to fight against Judah. So there's not, it's not, they're never satisfied. So they already have, uh, and they're oppressing the Gileadites. Now they're crossing over the Jordan to go against Judah. Uh, so, and, and, and so coming now into Judah and against Benjamin and against the house of Ephraim. So that Israel was sore distressed. Like this, this should be it for Israel. Because of their evil, because they forsook the Lord, now it's, it's, it's getting to a point of an existential crisis. Israel may cease to exist. And according to covenant, God should allow that. But because of his promise to Israel, their father, and to Abraham, Isaac, because of that promise, he will not allow Israel to be extinguished. And so we're going into a time now of great distress, a time of great tribulation. It is unprecedented. It's the time of Jacob's trouble. But Jacob will be saved out of it. Why? Because of God's covenant faithfulness. Not because of Jacob. Jacob deserves it. Jacob deserves to be extinguished. But look at these Western, how we have to think what people sacrificed so that the West could be free. And we who have this freedom, how we have abused it. How we have abused it. We deserve what's coming. But God seems to be putting it off and putting it off. 
It's like he's, it's, he's not willing that any soul should perish. He's giving us time. And we should be all about our Father's business. We should be all about preaching the gospel instead of getting caught up in deceptive and seductive causes that are not, we, we cannot save this world. Look, the, the people fought and gave everything to give us freedom. And look how we've used our freedom. So Israel was sore distressed. They're, they're about to go out of existence. And the children of Israel, that's the B. It's so first the A, then the B. Here comes the C. And the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, saying, We have sinned against you. So they finally come to their senses, both because we have forsaken our God and also served Baalim, BLM. So they forsook God, and then they went and they, they devoted themselves wholeheartedly. Suddenly BLM gets them excited. BLM gets them, you've never seen passion like this, except when Balin comes. When Balin comes, now we can get excited, now we can get passionate. Try to get them to serve the Lord, it's very difficult. It's hard to get any kind of volunteers. Time to serve Balin, we're on it. On it, rise early. What do you need? So they finally come to their senses, we have sinned against you, both because we've forsaken our God and served Balin. And the Lord said unto the children of Israel, Didn't I deliver you from the Egyptians, and from the Amorites, and from the children of Ammon, and from the Philistines? Like, didn't I do this? What's wrong? Why don't you remember? And the Zidonians also, and the Amalekites, and the Mayanites did oppress you, and you cried to me. A, B, C, and then the D. And I delivered you out of their hand. And certainly the West, boy, have we been delivered. You just have to go back and study. We were, we were this close to going out of existence. And God delivered us. And we've forgotten. Yet you have forsaken me. Instead of using that freedom now to serve God, we've taken prayer out of the schools. And that, that's really, I think, that was the turning point. When prayer came out of the schools, and then we go after the family. And, and this Balaam movement, it goes after the family. First, it destroys the black family, and it destroys the role of the father in the, in, the, in the black family, so that children are being turned out with no moral compass. They're vicious. You've got uh, seven, eight, nine-year-olds committing murder because there's no father in the home. There's no moral compass. And now they're turning to the white families and destroying the white families and recruiting the white children and poisoning the minds of the white children so these white children curse their parents and they want to kill their parents. Show me one thing that the Balin movement has done that is constructive. I'm all ears because all I see is destruction. All I see is toxic destruction. I hear a lot of rhetoric that sounds good, but I know that Satan is very good at rhetoric. So I hear a lot of beautiful sounding rhetoric and then I see nothing but destruction. So I'm, I'm, I'm all ears. I'd love to see what has the Balin movement built? What has the Balin movement constructed? Because even now they've taken over this, uh, this uh, part of the created a nation within Seattle, and I'm not seeing anything constructive. I'm just seeing crime and destruction. So you've forsaken me and served other gods. Therefore, God says, I'll deliver you no more. And then listen to what he says. Go and cry. Go and cry unto the gods which you have chosen 
and let them deliver you in the time of your tribulation. You put your trust in Baalim, let Baalim, let the Baalim dis- dis- uh, dis- uh, d- uh, deliver you. Why, why are you crying to me? You put your trust in them. You, you aligned yourself with them. Let them save you. So I, I'm just frustrated that we're not able to think more than one step ahead. You know, pawns on a chessboard. A pawn only cares about the square in front of it. Because that's all it can do is it can only move one square. The queen can go back and forth across the board, so she cares about the whole board. The chess master, who is moving the pawns and moving the queen and the knights and the bishop, the master is thinking multiple moves ahead in patterns that they can see the board unfold. The pawn has no idea. Oh, I'm moving to the next square. I'm important. Yeah, you're being taken off the board. You're about to be slaughtered. Go to that square, mate in two. You have no idea what, what, what you've done. Oh, but I, I, I'm going to become a queen. I get to this square and I become... No, you go to that square and you get slaughtered. Mate in two. Because you don't understand the patterns. So God says to them, you, you chose these gods? You chose Balaam? You chose BLM? Go and cry unto the gods which you've chosen and let them deliver you in the time of your tribulation. So we have now this situation where in this Balim city, or I shouldn't say city, it's a country of Chaz or whatever they're calling it now. You see here, and I'm just going to take the volume off uh, because it is so offensive, but we see here a Christian preacher who has gone into the nation to tell them that Jesus is Lord. They do not want to hear it. So all of our Christians who are supporting the Baalim movement, do you think the Baalim movement will support you? Because God says, you chose them. Go and cry to them. So you see here that they, they, they really rough him up. And it's really interesting when it gets here. I'm just going to go fast forward a little bit just to show you because all of this began because of what happened to George Floyd. Now, this man comes in telling them about Jesus, that Jesus is Lord. And what happens to him? (laughs) They take him and they assault him. They choke him. They sexually assault him. And all he wanted to do was give them hope. He didn't have a negative message. He wasn't going in there telling them they're condemned. Now they're choking him. He can't breathe. He can't breathe. They don't care. They don't care about life. Life doesn't matter to them. All he wanted to tell them is that Jesus is Lord and that there's hope. And they choke him. They nearly kill him. So you're aligning yourself with Balaam. And they're going to turn on you. And when they turn on you, God says, go and cry to your gods. Go and cry to your Balaam. You put your trust in them. Let them deliver you. Because you you forsook the Lord. You forsook the covenant. You turned against your brother. That, that minister, in fact, or that, that preacher, could have been one of our brothers in the faith. I don't know if he is, but he certainly could have been. He, he could have just been walking. He didn't have to be preaching Jesus. He could have just been walking, minding, minding his own business. But we're going into a state of affairs now where to be white is to be evil. And to be, you have children now beating up white children. Why? Because they're white. Do we stand by? 
and support this? The best, <laughs> the best book for us to read is the Bible, what we're doing here, reading Judges. But George Orwell, and I don't mean 1984. I mean, pick up a very easy to read, fun book to read, Animal Farm, to understand the hypocrisy of these movements. And he was speaking specifically of Marxism. Read Animal Farm. Black Lives Matter? No, they don't. No, they don't. So black trans lives, so black trans lives matter. So we want to align ourselves with, with, these, this, with Balaam? Take a sign. They've got black trans lives matter. Well, you take a sign that says Jesus matters. And just don't say a word. Just, just walk with your sign, Jesus matters. I don't think it's going to work out well for you. Just take a sign that says black fathers matter. Take a sign that says black babies matter. Take a sign that says the black nuclear family matters and see how it works out. Because God says, when you choose Balaam, you have forsaken him. Go and cry now to Balaam, which you've chosen. And let Balaam deliver you in the time of your tribulation. And so it's going to be rough. These, these people are gaining in power and they don't, have, they don't mean any good. Show me anything constructive that they've done. And they only have a voice. They only cry out when they can sue somebody with money. So if a white police officer kills a black man, well, that's a big deal because we can sue the police and we can sue the government. But if a person in the ghetto who's black kills another person in the ghetto who's black, even if that person they kill is a little child, innocent child, they don't care because there's nobody to sue. And even though that black-on-black crime is happening you know, to the tune of 6,000 souls a year and a, a white police officer killing an unarmed, innocent black man is like rare. It happens. And of course, there's evil police people, evil policemen. So it happens, but it, it's not a priority. If we want to save black souls, as I said in my sermon, the highest priority is we've got to stop this Planned Parenthood uh, abortion movement. That's out to destroy the black race. Uh, Margaret Sanger and the founder of Planned Parenthood, it was a clear objective. The next priority, we've got to stop the black-on-black crime. We've got to get fathers back into the house. We've got to stop the government rewarding black women for having babies out of wedlock. And this cycle that is destroying the black, uh, black people and the black family. We've got to restore the black family. After we've covered those priorities... Then we can deal with people who are breaking the law and running, getting on the wrong side of law enforcement and law enforcement just going crazy. If we, if we build strong Christian character, then that's like, that, that's the least of our worries. And hopefully we see this. Hopefully we, we do the research ourselves. We don't just take what CNN is feeding us, what MSNB is feeding us. We know these are fake news people. Let's go and do the research ourselves and see, is, it, is, is this true? Is this really an epidemic, the, 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 the outrage that they're promoting so that we choose Balaam? Is it real or is it fake? And when I say real, I don't mean it never happens. I mean, is it the highest priority? Is it, is it an epidemic? Or if we stack things, if we stack rank, what's really happening to black people? What goes at the top and who's behind it? And what cities, what, what type of people are running the cities and have been running them for decades? Who are they? And why hasn't it changed? 
And why, and we all believe change we can believe in and change was going to come. Why hasn't it changed? Who's, who's getting rich off of this? And why are we being fooled and being sucked into serving Balaam? Go and cry unto Balaam, which you've chosen. And let Balaam deliver you in the time of what's coming. These people have no morals. They have no morals. They're throwing the Christian compass out the window. And now it's not the rule of law. It's the rule of man. The rule of, you know, David, when God says, you know, choose what's going to happen to you. He says, like, don't let me fall into the hands of men. I'll, I'll, take, I'll take the curse directly from you, God. Because I know what men are capable of. Well, I know what these Baalim worshippers are capable of. And they're, they're, they're gaining in power. And the children of Israel said unto the Lord, we have sinned. Do you unto us whatever seems good unto you. Just deliver us only. We pray you this day. So we've sinned, but please get us out of this jam. They're, they're in such a crisis now that they're just saying to God, please, please, please just deliver us. And they put away the strange gods from among them. So eventually, you know, if we have any support for this Baalim movement, we're going to throw it away because it's going to become crystal clear. This is evil. This is a great evil that has come upon us, and we cannot have it creep into the church. And they put away the strange gods from among them, and they served the Lord. And his soul was grieved for the misery of Israel. God loves Israel. Everything that they're suffering, they've brought it upon themselves. But he is in a covenant love relationship with them. And for all of this, he's grieving for them. He's, he's sorry that they have brought this upon themselves. Then the children of Ammon were gathered together and encamped in Gilead. And the children of Israel assembled themselves together and encamped in Mizpah. And, and so now it's polarized and it's, it's getting ready for the slaughter. And the people and the princes of Gilead said one to another, What man is he that will begin to fight against the children of Ammon? He shall be head over all the inhabitants of Gilead. God is now going to raise up another judge and uh, this judge is going to deliver them uh, from these people. But the judges are not perfect. And when we see the, this infiltration of Marxism, which is, I, I, it fails me to articulate how evil Marxism is, but it's infiltrated our society and it's demoralized us and it's taking over. And when God raises somebody up to push push it back, we sit back and say, well, he's not perfect. You know, I, I noticed a wart on his nose, and, and his eyebrows are not quite straight, and I don't like the complexion of his skin. God does not, these, these many saviors are not perfect. No man is perfect. Their purpose is not to be perfect. Their purpose is to deliver Israel from the catastrophe that lies ahead. And at some point, God says enough, and he allows the, the punishment for the apostasy. So even now, when you look in the Western nations, there is no nation that I'm aware of. Tell me if I'm wrong. But I don't see any nation in the West that is truly turning to God, that is truly repenting, that is truly saying we have abused our freedoms. So whatever deliverance there is, if there is deliverance, it's going to be short-lived. If there isn't deliverance, if this Antifa and Baalim movements, these Marxist movements and, and uh, the, the jihadists, 
if they are able to destroy us from within and Western civilization collapses, oh boy, it's going to be ugly. But it's what we deserve. We've, we've brought it on ourselves. The only way out of this really is through it, that we've got to be loyal to God. And I, I have a lot of respect for this preacher who went right into this country of Chaz to tell them Jesus is Lord. And they threatened him with death, and he said sin is worse, worse than death. I, I hope we have this kind of conviction and courage because we're going to need it. And we're going to need each other. We, we cannot be, I, I can't be in my congregation looking at my brother or sister in the faith and, and instead of looking at them and their character, the content of the character, I'm looking at the color of their skin. And there's a separation between us because of the color of their skin. And I'm, I'm, bringing, I'm bringing up historical wounds and throwing it in their face when they have nothing to do with this. They have nothing. God, God, this is anti-Christic. God says, you know, the, the, the children say, our fathers ate sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. And God says, you will never say this again. But we come along and we say, yeah, you'll say it. Your fathers ate sour grapes and your teeth should be set on edge. This is satanic. Each individual should stand for their own sin. We treat people as individuals, not as a collective. And we've moved from this, the West, the, the American Revolution, which was built on the, the, the freedom of the individual. We're shifting now to the French Revolution, which was built on collectivism. And no regard for the individual. You just belong to a group or you don't. And you're with us or you're, if you're either with us or you're against us. And we'll chop off your head if you're against us. That's where we're going now. And that's what we're allowing to creep into the church where we don't treat people as individuals. We treat them as a collective. We look at the color of their skin and judge them and hold them accountable for sins that even their ancestors may not have even had anything to do with. Their ancestors may have fought for us. But just the color of their skin. Because Balaam says... You must burn them in the fire to worship him. I pray, and I pray that you'll join me in praying that we get through this whole, that we get through this knowing we can trust each other, knowing we can depend on each other, knowing we can turn to each other, and we never look at skin color. <laughs> That's like, that just, we don't, that, that would never come into the equation to say, can I trust my brother, even though he's a different race than me? We, that would never come into the equation. We just know this is a covenant brother. This is a covenant sister. And we would never support a movement that would bring harm to somebody in the body of Christ. We must discern the Lord's body. And, and I will, I'm formulating a, a message where I'm going to talk about this. What our priorities should be and where we should focus and, and how we bring justice, real justice, to this earth. Not this seductive social justice thing that, that's being promoted. That's not real justice at all. And you only have to look at the country, the newly formed country of Chaz, to see where all this social justice is going to get us. So this is the nightmare of the book of Judges. And we are living it in 2020. And so these things are written for our examples that we should not lust after evil things. Instead, we should hunger and thirst for God's righteousness. Jesus Christ is beautiful. Jesus Christ is Lord. And, and we, we should be willing to proclaim that any and everywhere.
and turn people away from this evil path and trend that they're on. And let's turn them to the Lord. We, there, there's an opportunity here for us to come together and do exploits for the Lord. Jesus Christ, what a wonderful God, what a mighty King we serve. Let's serve him, not Balaam.